Hello, everyone, and welcome to the August 26, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by Squad QL. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at AmITheRealBlair. And my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? It's going fantastic, Blair. We're in the thick of draft season, and uh, I'm having a blast. This is the best time of year. Yeah, that's right. It's coming down to the wire. Get those, you know, all your best ball drafts finished up. Uh, a lot of preseason news to cover. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm really excited to be covering it with our guest today. Joining us on the show is Pat Fitzmorris. Pat is a contributor to thefootballgirl.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Pat, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Blair and Hassan, really great to be on with you guys. Uh, always good to associate with Rotoviz. You guys are uh, always doing fantastic work on Rotoviz Radio and with the articles. And I've referred to Rotoviz as fantasy football's think tank before. And, um, you know, it, it really is. You guys are always churning out some forward looking stuff. And, uh, you know, it's an honor to talk to you guys. Awesome. I'll definitely appreciate those kind words. Um, I guess let's jump right into the first news item, probably the biggest biggest item of the week. Marquise Lee was carted off the field tonight with a knee injury in the Jaguars' third preseason game. Uh, we don't yet know the severity of the injury, but it did look serious in real time. If you saw the video, the medical staff immediately called for the cart to come out. So, Pat, many were expecting Lee to kind of have wide receiver one duties in Jacksonville. Um, so how do you expect targets to be distributed in his absence? Yeah, so I guess I, I too, expected Lee to lead the Jaguars in targets. And I would say now that it's probably going to be between Keelan Cole and D.D. Uh, Westbrook. And, and maybe you guys feel differently about that. I'd be interested to get your take on that. But, um, you know, and I, I was kind of fading Westbrook a little coming into camp and, and thought that maybe he would be the odd guy out, um, you know, of, of the primary four with Lee, Cole, Westbrook, and Dante Moncrief. But now I, I kind of see Moncrief as, as being the third guy. You know, I just uh, – the reports have been pretty positive on Westbrook, and it does seem like he is the closest thing they have to a possession guy now in Lee's absence. Um you know, a smaller possession guy, maybe sort of along the lines of a Jamison Crowder uh, with a little more, maybe even a little more juice in his legs. But um, so I don't know. Right now, I think in, in PPR leagues, uh, pretty pretty close with Cole and Didi. Um, you know, I, I feel a little bit more confident in Cole. Um, you know, in standard leagues, I would certainly want Cole. But, um, you know, those two and... Dante Moncrief, kind of a distant third. I'm, I'm just not a Moncrief fan. And then, you know, maybe this even opens the door a crack for DJ Chark to have some sort of minor rookie year impact. What, what do you guys make of the Westbrook call Moncrief trio? Yeah, I pretty much agree across the board. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, I think, expecting or were expecting Moncrief to uh, come in and kind of demand some targets. They did pay him, but like you said, I've never 
it's not actually that I've never been a Moncrief fan. I did like him as a prospect and, you know, as a rookie, but he's just, I think we've seen enough of him in the NFL to know pretty much what he is. Uh, you know, I did some work on wide receiver breakouts and basically for someone drafted with his draft capital to be going into their fifth season now, I believe, and not to have broken out is a pretty bad sign. Uh, you know, the chances of him actually breaking out and doing anything significant are pretty low. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think Cole and Westbrook are, are my two favorites here. Probably lean a little bit toward Cole, although Westbrook, you know, in the games he played last season, he uh, he was getting a lot of targets, I think about seven per game. So, uh, yeah, that could be significant. Yeah, I'm with you guys in terms of the receiver core. Uh, one thing that I'm really fascinated and, and I'm kind of intrigued by is Leonard Fournette. He saw uh, more targets than you think he would last season. I believe he saw 43 in 12 games. I think he might actually see a slight bump, maybe a target or two extra per game. The guy who this legitimately probably benefits the most is on the tight end. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, uh, we thought he was going to be buried, but it looks like uh, unfortunately with Marquise Lee's unfortunate injury that frees up a significant chunk of the target share and like you guys mentioned there's a you know you've got cool you've got dd dd showed a little bit more like last season when he was down the stretch still not very much austin safarian jenkins has also shown flashes of competence as a tight end and if they opt to deploy him more as a receiver he's certainly the guy who you want to go with uh over the middle just in terms of a pure slot guy what do you guys think on that one yeah i'm i'm kind of uh buying that i mean i I think the uh the asj thing is is kind of interesting like i wasn't really on him that much before this but now this might uh pique my interest in him just a little bit um you know and it's it's possible you're right about four nets uh targets ticking up a little as a result of this yeah that's a good point i hadn't really been on asj either although uh, you know, with in, the person who I guess was supposed to lead the team in targets down, surely there's going to be more opportunity going his way. Um, Bortles, I think in the past, hasn't really used his tight end that much, uh, although I guess it's arguable whether he's had someone as talented as ASJ. So, yeah, I don't quite know. Ravens' first-round tight end Hayden Hurst will undergo a procedure and likely be out three to four weeks. Hurst reportedly has a stress fracture in his foot and will need to undergo a procedure to have his crew inserted. His uh, three to four week recovery timetable leaves him highly doubtful for the Ravens' season opener versus the Bill. Pat, this is an offense that has featured the TE very heavily in the past, but is going into 2018 with two rookies and a handful of veterans who haven't made an impact in the NFL as of yet. With Hurst out, how do you expect the Ravens to address the TE position to start the season, and how do you think the targets shake out in this receiving core? So, yeah, this is uh, it was kind of an interesting tight end situation to begin with, um, you know, with the two rookies. And, and we sort of know what the reputation is for rookie tight ends and, you know, most mostly underachieving and just kind of taking a year to get their legs under them. Um, so now, you know, with that injury and, and by the way, I, I think I've seen on Twitter, Dr. David Chow said he was uh, betting the over on that three or four week estimate. So this could really very well be a two month injury for Hurst. And we, you know, don't see him until sometime in, in mid October. 
at the earliest. But um, yeah, so I mean, you've got Mark Andrews. Uh, I, I kind of think, you know, I, I don't know that he is going to ever be fantasy viable this year, but uh, Nick Boyle is probably going to finish as their, I'm guessing, you know, target and reception leaders among tight ends, just because I think he's going to be their snap leader and be uh, on the field the most. And uh, it's it's interesting to see if this will save a roster spot for one of these other guys who, uh, you know, the Ravens have been shoveling coal into the tight end furnace for so long now, and they've still got some of these holdovers. Max Williams, 2X Max, who was supposed to be mm-hmm. their answer at tight end, um, but, you know, has, has been hurt and has not panned out. Uh, Darren Waller, who you know, was kind of like my dynasty league super stash for a while, just with his size and athletic profile, a really interesting guy, Vince Maley, the converted wide receiver. He's still kicking around, I think. So it'll be interesting to see if any of those guys can maybe cling on. But uh, ultimately, I think from a fantasy perspective, um, you know, even in the deep dynasty leagues, it's, it's hard to, see value beyond the two rookies and it's hard to see any immediate value for any of these guys i mean you know that somehow these tight ends are probably going to squeeze out 70 catches and 70 yards this year but i think instead of it being chopped maybe two ways it's going to be maybe minced into a lot of very small pieces and you know maybe some of these little minced pieces even go to the wide receivers and running backs and the spillover but um yeah, it's just kind of uh, not a real encouraging usage picture at tight end for the the year 2018. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's not definitely not a pretty picture. I mean, um, you know, Hurst was somebody who I thought was kind of overdrafted anyway in the first round, for sure. Um, so even coming into the season, I wasn't necessarily convinced he would be uh, you know, like an impact player for them right away. I mean, not only being a rookie tight end, but also probably not being maybe as good as uh, his draft capital would suggest. Um, you know, I kind of like Mark Andrews a little bit. I don't know. He's another, you know, again, with rookie tight ends, you just don't know what to expect. Um, there's, There seems to be, well, except for last year, I guess, but yeah, although Ben Watson was good, wasn't he? Um, yeah, there seems to be always somebody who kind of emerges. Uh, Flacco just likes to throw to tight ends. So, you know, you kind of want to find that guy who can maybe give you some a few weeks of value off the waiver wire. But uh, I don't know. Max Williams is a little bit interesting just because he's missed a lot of time. He's, you know, he was really young coming out of college. He hasn't quite lived up to the potential that we hoped and uh Tight ends can take a while, so I don't know. Do you guys have any interest in him at all? I just want to note one thing about Hurst that uh, we might not have discussed is that the tight end model uh, that John Lefitsky ran a few months ago begged Hurst to be a bust, and uh, I I noted uh, that I noticed that this is actually kind of fascinating in terms of that because uh, the t- tight end model only notes that Gesecki and Godert are the two Das Goddard, are the two tight ends that are actually have the best probability of being a long-term NFL starter. 
And John, in his article, which is free, you can go find it on rotaviz.com. It's uh, about the dynamic model predicting the stars and busts of 2018. He makes a really good note about Hayden Hurst and his uh, lack of athleticism, specifically that, uh, you know, if you're sick and tired of hearing about tight ends who were former basketball players, well, you're in luck because this guy's a former baseball dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and he was overage, too. And I. I... Mm hmm kind of hard to understand why he was um you know pegged as as the top tight end for the ravens in this i don't under you know i thought andrews was actually the better tight end prospect so um but uh, getting back to your question blair about max um not really i mean i i kind of feel like i know the injuries have slowed him a little bit um but you know there have been brief periods of of health and he hasn't really been able to make any sort of impact or just you know even fleeting moments where he turned your head with a, a catch or two and i guess i don't know i just haven't seen anything like that from him so um you know i, I kind of think if anyone has value here it might be boyle just mm -hmm. as uh and and boy not real attractive value. I'm not sure you can ever feel real comfortable putting him in your starting lineup, but it wouldn't surprise me if he led the team in tight end targets this year. Do you think that this opens up more targets for someone like Crabtree? Yeah, it might. You know, I mentioned that, um, you know, and I think with projections, I, I maybe did have the tight ends catching like it was like something 69 for 710 collectively or something like that and uh you know maybe that gets cut down to um you know 60 60 and 600 so you know maybe there's a little extra to go around for crabtree and and john brown and uh you know our friend buck allen whoever <laughs> uh whoever is left over to catch the, the passes but you know as hassan mentioned um you know flacco does kind of like to throw to his tight ends, or at least has in the past, and it's floated, um, you know, some pretty impressive value for some of his past tight ends. So, uh, um, you know, maybe there is, is someone who's going to come out of the ether here and be unexpectedly valuable from a fantasy perspective, but right now I'm just kind of not seeing it. All right, before we get into no shit, shit, no, I want to... Leave a quick reminder that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $5 a month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $5. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality industry-leading programming. Yeah, and speaking of exclusive, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get a 30% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotaviz.com slash podcast. The season is almost here. Make sure you're ready. Gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. You'll get amazing value. You support the pod. You, and trust me, these tools are going to be invaluable when you get into your in-season work. And just go to rotaviz.com slash podcast. Please subscribe. All right, now let's get into no shit, shit, no. First item up, Terrell Pryor caught two of two targets for 16 yards and a touchdown in Friday's preseason game against the Giants. 
I'll say no shit on this one because he is, you know, he's still got that very impressive athletic profile, the size, the speed, the agility, and has, you know, a thousand yard season on his uh, resume. So I guess if he's healthy and on a team with uh, opportunity at wide receiver, it's not a surprise to see him flash. And even though he's not really a guy I'm chasing and not really a guy I see as being draftable and redraft and all, but the deepest of leagues, um, he wouldn't surprise. It would not surprise me if he was a guy people had waiver wire interest in at some point this season. And, you know, possibly very early in the season. Really what makes this Terrell Pryor news really fascinating to me is just this Jets' wide receiver core may look kind of barren on the outside, but man, like if Darnold is for real, you've got Robbie Anderson, Quincy Anunua, Jermaine Kears, Terrell Pryor, who could all be fantasy viable this year, hopefully. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, If Darnold is what they think he's going to be. I mean, if his arrival is uh, sort of ahead of schedule, you're right. There's going to be, I think, where where everyone only saw Anderson as fantasy viable, there could be multiple guys from that wide receiver core who, you know, can contribute this year. Chris Godwin got three of three targets for 27 yards and a touchdown in Friday's preseason game versus the Lions. No shit. Uh, he's really good. It's going to be interesting to see if he can squeeze Deshaun Jackson out of the picture this year. Um, you know, I think a lot of fantasy owners are kind of trying to calibrate that right now, like knowing that Godwin is eventually going to be someone they're going to be playing every week without question in fantasy football. But does it happen this year or, um, you know, do the Buccaneers have to do some house cleaning before it happens? So, um, you know, I guess that's the big question. Um, but I think he's going to have some good weeks this year. It's just a matter of whether you can start him with any confidence at any point this season. Yeah, from a best ball perspective, uh, our MFL 10 ADP app actually has got Dijon Jackson and Chris Godwin going side by side. Like, D Jax's average draft position is 154, and Chris Godwin's is 162. These guys are being drafted almost back-to-back in terms of wide receivers. It's going to be really fascinating because like, the public clearly thinks that Chris Godwin is in line for a bigger role. I don't know if the targets are there and how that shakes out with the tight ends and Mike Evans uh, along with the, the running backs, but it's, it's going to be interesting from a best ball perspective, that's for sure. Sean had an article up today, actually, about uh, second-year breakouts, and Chris Godwin is someone who ends up looking really good in a number of a number of metrics that sort of predict second-year breakouts. So, yeah, he's someone I'm all over. Isaiah Crowell rushed four times for six yards in Friday's preseason game against the Giants. I'll say no shit. Um, I think it's going to be messy. I've I've wanted to like Crowell as sort of the unattractive, attractive play just who was going to get volume and um you know would be an easy target because he wouldn't be sexy or heavily pursued and uh you know maybe the the jets like Bilal Powell maybe they don't I mean their uh you know level of commitment to him has been a matter of some debate this offseason but I I just think it's going to wind up messy I think it's going to be 
both Crowell and Powell and who knows, maybe Elijah McGuire comes back. Um, maybe, uh, Trenton Cannon makes the roster and maybe, uh, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Who did they just sign? I'm, I'm forgetting the, uh, new West. Oh, Chark West. Yes. Thank you. Um, you know, maybe Chark pushes for playing time too, but, um, you know, now I guess I'm just my enthusiasm for Crowell that I had in uh, about April is is definitely faded some. Several Patriots beat writers said Friday night they expect Eric Decker will be cut. Yeah, no shit. Um, a, a very viable player just a couple of years ago has not aged very well. Uh, you know, the, the years have had it up pretty quickly, and um, I wish the Patriots would just go ahead and sign Des Bryant already because it seems like it's inevitably headed that way. But um, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they won't, and they'll, um, you know, cobble it together with what they have in-house. But, um, you know, it just seems like uh, with one veteran not working out, it's only a matter of time before they seek the services of another. Cordero Patterson caught five of nine targets for 37 yards in the Patriots' third preseason game. No shit, guys. He was my final round pick in the Scott Fishbowl for a reason. And uh, this is it. So maybe I should be hoping the Patriots do not call Des Bryant and use Cordero and give him some significant snaps on offense. But I do think he's a a worthwhile flyer in uh, deep fantasy leagues and and someone people you know he's not going to go in a typical 12 team 16 player uh league he's not going to be drafted in the league like that but he's definitely a guy worth watching because uh, a guy with his physical traits and now playing for a franchise that knows what it's doing um you know look out and and we've seen it on a couple of plays in the preseason and and what he can do um you know, once he has the ball in his hand. So uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see where this is going to go. Philip Lindsay rushed five times for 31 yards and hauled in his only target for 18 yards in the Broncos' third preseason game. No shit on this one, too. Um, I don't know. I think Philip Lindsay is maybe starting to build a case that he's better than Devontae Booker. Although, uh, you know, Devontae Booker seems to have a lot of leash with the Broncos organization. But... Um, It's going to be interesting to see how that backfield shakes out because it seems like the way um, we, the public, perceive it might not be quite the way they perceive it in-house. So um, I think he's going to make the team for sure, Lindsey will, but it be interesting to see if he can push Booker for number two duties. If, in fact, Booker is the number two, for all I know, the Broncos might consider him number one right now and – you know, preseason snaps have been uh, not entirely clear on that, so it'll be interesting to follow. Josh Doxson was not targeted in the Redskins' third preseason game. No shit. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure that I'm ready to invest in him, um, you know, despite the college credentials and uh, – you know, the speed, I, I just, we have not seen enough from him. It's been said, and at first I thought it was maybe just sort of a, 
uh, idle talk that his style would not fit well with Alex Smith because Alex Smith didn't necessarily like throwing into tight windows and Doxon was kind of a, a win at the catch point, throw it up and let him get it type of receiver. Um, but I just don't feel a great deal of confidence right now. Um, you know, maybe if Jordan Reed sustains another long term injury, that might be different. But uh, right now it's hard to see Doxon being someone you want to target and, you know, someone you're hoping you can get 70 or 80 yards from every week. I'm, I'm just not seeing it. Yeah, back on the flagship show when they were doing their hot takes uh, episode, I actually called in and my hot take was that Ryan Grant was going to outscore Josh Doxson in PPR leagues this year, uh, which <laughs> sounds hot. But, but last year, Ryan Grant actually did just that uh, despite playing significantly fewer snaps. They both played 15 games. Grant saw 60 targets, Doxon saw 68. Doxon posted, posted slightly over 450 yards and 6 TDs on those 68 targets, and Grant posted 550 yards and 4 TDs, but he had more fantasy points than him last year. He had 10 more fantasy points than him over the course of the regular season, and Josh Doxon's ADP was through the roof last season. I just don't understand why... We want to bother with Josh Dawson, especially now that he's going to be competing with Paul Richardson, who is someone that Sean Siegel has indicated as a fifth-year breakout, where he's now shifted teams from Seattle to Washington. It's quite likely that he's the guy that breaks out. And, you know, given the current ADPs are fairly depressed, I find myself taking Paul Richardson over Josh Dawson 100% of the time in best balls. And I've invested heavily in, in Richardson as well in a bunch of redraft leagues. Yeah, I'm with you there. I, uh, you know, starting this off season when, um, you know, both of those guys, when it, Richardson went to the, the Redskins, I, I was sort of torn on how to go with them and would always wind up putting them pretty close to each other in the rankings. But now there's a, a definite gap with Richardson well ahead. Ronald Jones rushed six times for seven yards while catching his lone target for 37 yards in Friday's preseason game versus the Lions. Uh, I feel like I should say shit no for Ronald Jones uh, having his greatest accomplishment in that game come in the, as a receiver. Um, kind of unexpected since his uh, passing game chops were knocked by, knocked by running backs coach Tim Spencer this past week, and uh, it just doesn't seem like he's going to provide a lot of help there but um yeah still though the the six carries for seven yards is not very encouraging and it's just more bad news for jones this year and now i mean it just seems like it's inevitable that he's not going to overtake peyton barber and you know at, at most um you know forge some sort of committee here but um you know, it's it's not looking good. I'd, I'm almost starting to wonder if Jaquiz Rogers is going to have more value in that backfield than Jones will this year. Jonathan Stewart rushed three times for negative seven yards in Friday's preseason game against the Jets. Yeah, no shit. It's been um, not that great a preseason, I guess, for Stewart. And uh, it seems that he is... Uh, you know, fall into number three on the depth chart here. So, uh, you know, any thought that he was going to be, you know, this uh, backup and change of pace guy 
on the Giants is is pretty much gone now. I, I don't think he really has any fantasy value whatsoever. Quincy Anunua started Friday's preseason game against the Giants, start, catching two or three targets for 28 yards. Yeah, uh, no shit. We talked about this earlier. You mentioned it, Hassan, that um, you know there might be multiple viable fantasy viable wide receivers on the Jets now, and Anunua is certainly one of them. So, um, you know, it will be interesting to see how things evolve. But, um, you know, I, I guess for me, Anunua is, is number two there behind Robbie Anderson. Um, you know, and I, I think he's kind of an interesting fantasy guy in the, uh, you know, late rounds of a deeper draft. Yeah, I actually think Anunua maybe is like he's one of my favorite late round values at wide receiver. And it's probably the reason I don't have any Terrell Pryor. But, you know, I guess there's some uncertainty there. So I should maybe rethink that. But you know, I definitely like Anunua this year. Yeah, and I've been smashing Anunua as well as a late round flyer. Yeah, I mean, he was he was genuinely good a couple of years ago. And um you know that it would not surprise me to see, like you said, if if Darnold is in fact the real deal and uh, you know is is ready to have a decent rookie year, then you know he could he could be a big part of this offense. Curtis Samuel caught three or four targets for 58 yards in the Panthers' third preseason game. I'll say shit now. Um, you know he is capable of making some uh, eye-opening plays. Samuel was, you know, just electrifying at Ohio State. But uh, I still feel like he's kind of miscast as a wide receiver. Like, I don't know why they didn't just make him like a scat back coming out of college and, and why they thought this, uh, you know, the, the full-on conversion of wide receiver, I, I feel like you'd be better off using him in this jack-of-all-trades role. And, uh, you know, if he is going to break through, if someone's going to find a role for him and make him fantasy viable, I don't think it's going to be North Turner. So um, I'm just not that optimistic about his prospects for this year. Uh, I think at some point he might pop if, if he winds up in the right role on the right team. But I don't know if it is uh, with North Turner in Carolina in 2018. Yeah, that Carolina receiving core is very very full right now you've got not only do you have christian mccaffrey who seems to be there every down slash workhorse he's coming on like that and there's going to looks like he's in line for a not only a massive rushing workload but a massive receiving workload i don't know how you divide the targets out between dj moore greg olson and funches and i don't i can't see how samuel really pops this year without an injury to one of the starters right um you know, and just uh, as as in that conventional receiver role, I'm I'm just not sure that he can win there. You know, it, it does not seem like I don't know. I think you've got to be a little, you've got to kind of scheme for him a little bit, and it doesn't seem like they're going to use him in uh, that sort of way. Evan Ingram has been diagnosed with a concussion and is week to week. Um, shit, no, it's, uh, it's kind of unfortunate that he is going to maybe miss time. And, and I wonder how it's going to be interesting to see how the targets now shake out with the giants. Um, 
You know, I, I think what's interesting is that it was always kind of a challenge to do projections for the Giants because um, it was hard to pull off and get enough, <laughs> get the numbers you thought uh, befitting numbers for Odell and for Saquon Barkley and for Ingram and even for Sterling Shepard without having Eli Manning uh without crediting him with Aaron Rodgers type numbers. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I hate to say it. And of course a concussion is, it's probably just going to be a one or two week thing. And I'm sure Ingram's not going to miss any time, but, um, you know, like we're off. I feel like on something, some, one of these guys is not going to pull the numbers that we think. And, um, you know, I've kind of been hesitant to, take numbers away from Beckham or Barkley. And uh, it's, it's usually Ingram who I give the haircut to in projections, which is why he's like outside my top eight, I think at tight end this year, um, you know, as, as good as he was and man, I mean, he was just so impressive last year, but it's hard to see how the targets and uh, receiving yards are allotted in this offense without like, someone taking a hit somewhere uh out of curiosity how would ingram's numbers shake out if Shepard is the guy that gets the haircut because uh, early last year blair wrote a fantastic piece on uh, evan ingram as possibly having the athletic measurable comparables and the production of uh, several elite wide receivers and you know there's a possibility in the recesses of my mind where I feel like he's going to just take over the Brandon Marshall role that Marshall was brought into play. Uh, the team is currently carrying a bunch of actual tight ends that they're going to have for pass blocking. They put a lot of money in on the offensive line. So hopefully that frees up Engram to actually run more routes. And I know a lot of people talk about how Engram received uh, this massive target share because OBJ wasn't there. There was no real running back to give targets to and Shepard missed time. So I was curious about, how that would work out if Shepard is the guy that actually got the haircut because uh, I the way I look at this uh, this team, I just can't really see where Shepard will win when Odell Beckham is on the field because Odell can play outside and inside, and if he's playing on the inside, where do you put Shepard, stuff like that? Right, yeah, Shepard, I mean, Shepard is, is definitely at his best as a slot receiver, and Beckham does his best work out of the slot, and, you know, if you're going to pick one guy to put in his comfort zone, obviously it should be Beckham. So, yeah, I mean, maybe if uh, Shepard sort of disappeared from this offense to some degree and only wound up with three or 400 yards, I mean, maybe uh, Ingram could still be a seven or 800 yard tight end, um, you know, but I, th- I think even if he does stay a seven or 800 yard tight end, we're still looking at, uh, you know, really, big time projections for Eli Manning. So maybe the answer is we should be considering Eli a quarterback one. I don't know, but um, <laughs> it does seem excessive, but uh, I actually did draft Eli in the Scott fishbowl too. So, um, you know, I, I joke about it a little, but it does seem like Eli could kind of fall ass backward into 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns this year. Jeremy Hill rushed nine times for 25 yards in the Patriots' third preseason game. Yeah, uh, no shit, kind of a Jeremy Hill line. Um, 
going to be interesting to see. Everyone perceives this to be a battle between Mike Gillisley and Jeremy Hill for one roster spot. And, um, you know, if it is, um, I'm not sure if uh, I think people tend to favor Hill there, but I'm not sure if that's the way the Patriots see it. So um, it will be interesting. I, I did see. I read something interesting on Pro Football Focus with Pat Thorman, uh, a very sharp dude, uh, making a bold prediction that different Patriots lead um, for his like 10 bold prediction column that 10 or that different Patriot running backs would lead the team in fantasy points every month of the season. And uh, so I guess, uh, you know, Maybe Jeremy Hill was projected as uh, the leader for one of those months. So it, it wouldn't be the strangest thing. Um, you know, I know people sometimes run screaming from the Patriots backfield when they really shouldn't. But, uh, you know, Hill is, I think, the guy who could definitely be the wild card and, and throw things into confusion. You know, if he's got a, a bigger role than we think he's going to have, then um, – you know, maybe Burkhead is not the value we think he is. And, you know, maybe that bodes really poorly for Sony Michelle, despite his first round draft status. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, this Hill Gillisley thing is going to be interesting, an interesting decision for the Patriots. Hill is someone I took at the almost at the end of the Scott Fishbowl, so I'm really hoping he sticks. Yeah, it seems like he's the favorite there. Emmanuel Sanders hauled in four of eight targets and for 61 yards and rushed for a 27-yard touchdown in the Broncos' third preseason game. No shit. Um, you know, one of the, the best values. I've told a lot of friends who are doing their home league drafts to uh, take Sanders that, you know, in every home league he's going to go about three rounds later than he should. And... Um, you know, would not be a surprise if he outproduced Demarius Thomas this year. Alfred Morris rushed 17 times for 84 yards in the 49ers' third preseason game against the Colts. No shit, just because there are so many injuries in that backfield right now. They needed someone to carry the mail. And, um, you know, it's with McKinnon Hurts and Brita Hurts, um, they kind of almost need a different look in that backfield anyway, when those two guys are healthy again, they've got, uh, you know, McKinnon is obviously a great athlete and, um, you know, excellent in the passing game, but it kind of remains to be seen whether he can hold up as a runner, as a, uh, a guy given a lot of carries, maybe he can't at his lighter weight. And, you know, Burita is certainly not a big guy either. And he's, you know, primarily a pass catcher first, I guess. And, you know, McKinnon is also, uh, or excuse me, not McKinnon, um, Jeremy McNichols is also kind of in the mix. And, uh, you know, another slightly smaller back. But uh, I guess they do need a thumper in this backfield. Like that's the one sort of missing ingredient, someone who can, you know, knock someone over. And maybe Morris plays that role for them. Um you know, it's possible he plays a much bigger role than anyone is expecting, and he's got some pretty good seasons on his resume. And I know he graded out 
pretty well last year in his short stint with the Cowboys. So, um, yeah, I, I could actually see Morris being uh, fantasy relevant this year. And that's one way for Joe Williams' fantasy stock to finally die off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, he, it seems like he might go on IR again for a second straight year. So, uh, you know, even you, you'd have to be quite the Joe Williams truther to still be holding in Dynasty if he goes on IR again this year. James Washington left Saturday's third preseason game with an abdominal injury and will not return. Shit, no, that's really depressing, uh, or it will be if, if it's serious at all. Hopefully it's not, uh, you know, maybe it's just a strain or something, and he'll be good to go for week one. But uh, he's shown us so much, and, um, you know, the, the Steelers wide receiver core could just be filthy good this year. Uh, the same report noted that he was actually running behind Justin Hunter in the preseason game. Does that concern you at all? Not really. Um, you know, I, I think we've seen what we're going to see from Justin Hunter, the, you know, a nine route guy who can uh, run past people and proceed to drop the ball when it's put right in his mitts. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not too worried about that. I, I don't know why the uh, Steelers were doing that with snaps in the preseason, but I think Washington has shown enough to make it pretty clear that he's the the three number three wide out there. Stephon Diggs caught four of eight targets for 51 yards in the Vikings' third preseason game against the Seahawks. No shit. Um, you know, for me, he is a back end wide receiver one. You know, I think I I as of now have him at like wide receiver 11 or wide receiver 12. Um, you know, I, I would rather have him, I think, than Adam Thielen this year, either in PPR or standard. Maybe that's the wrong call, but, uh, I slightly prefer Diggs. I think I slightly prefer him to Doug Baldwin at this point, just because of the Baldwin knee scare, even though it seems like Baldwin's going to be okay. I just, I think I would rather go with Diggs. Um, you know, wheels up for him. I, I just hope he can stay healthy because I think if he plays 16 games, he's going to put up some really impressive numbers. Yeah, I've been saying this uh, all off season, mainly to myself. But if Diggs smashes this season, like he's going to be a first rounder next year, especially if he's proven the ability to stay healthy. It's the health thing that you brought up that's uh, really worrying. He he goes back to college where he has health concerns. He hasn't been able to put it all together uh, in terms of that. And it seems to be, luckily it's not as bad, but hopefully it's not nagging. And it's hopefully something that he's able to work through because when he's on the field and healthy, he's absolutely electric. Yeah. The soft, the soft tissue stuff is always a concern when a guy has like recurring soft tissue injuries. And, you know, hopefully he's not a guy who just, is never able to achieve liftoff because of the injuries. But, um, yeah, I, I don't think the talent's in doubt at all. I've heard a lot of people lately asking kind of what draft slot you like to have in fantasy drafts this year. What's the best? And for a long time, I was like, oh, it doesn't matter. I can make a team I like from any slot. But actually, like lately, I've noticed if I'm drafting toward the end of the first round, it's really hard to get digs unless you take them in the early second. So, <laughs> I don't like that. 
Right. He is, um, I mean, and, and as if drafting one, two, three wasn't good enough, you know, often digs falls there. So you can, yep. uh, you know, I, I picked first and, and one league and was able to get digs coming back around. So, you know, that's a pretty good start when you can come out of a, out of a, uh, you know, the first three rounds with, uh, I, and I can't remember who my other guy was, but it, you know, Gurley Diggs, and, um, you know, Joe Mixon or someone like that. But, um, yeah, not a, not bad if you can get Diggs late in the second, but I think he's almost creeping into the mid second at this point in a lot of leagues. Want an unfair advantage to dominate your fantasy football league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. You may ask, how does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, plus the app gives you player rankings each week and it's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to SquadQL.com to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of VertiQL, the leading daily fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android. All right, moving on to news item number three. The Houston Chronicle expects Dante Foreman to open the season on the reserve pup list, which would mean he would miss at least the first six games of 2018. Uh, so, Pat, Lamar Miller would obviously be the biggest beneficiary of this situation. So are you pretty comfortable drafting him at his current ADP and are there any backups in Houston that interest you at all? So I guess I am not, I wouldn't say comfortable getting him at his current ADP because he has got a fourth round ADP, at least according to fantasy pros. Um, That was the last site I checked with him. Like I'm comfortable with his positional ADP, like running back, I think it's running back 20 or running back 21. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, it's just that I think I would rather be drafting wide receivers in rounds three and four. Um, I, I just don't see, I think at that point in most drafts, the uh, wideouts are just kind of smoking the running backs for value. The value proposition of the, the receivers you can get in round four is just so much better, I think, than it is for the running backs who are kind of a, you know, an iffy cohort of Lamar Miller and Alex Collins and, um, you know, a, a Jai if he even lasts to that point when I think I would rather just wait around and get Marshawn Lynch. And, uh, you know, last I looked, Marshawn Lynch was going a full round after Lamar Miller. And honestly, um, you know, I think it's like a 50-50 as to who has a better season, and I might even give a slight edge to Lynch. Uh, I, what worries me a little bit is the offensive line, you know, um, that we have, have seen this decline from Miller over the last two years in efficiency. And um, maybe it's the change of venue, but um, – I don't think it helps that the Texans are not projected to have a very good line this year. And maybe, maybe having a a mobile quarterback uh, 
back again, Watson, maybe that'll help and, and widen some of the running lanes a little bit, but I'm just not real excited about Miller. Um, you know, I, I don't mind him at that point in the draft, but I guess I'm not eagerly looking to draft him in the fourth round. It's just not, not around where I'm generally going running backs. And as for the backups, uh, oh man. Yeah. So if, if Foreman does not come back, if he's not good to go, um, you know, immediately after six weeks and, you know, really a, a torn Achilles, that's a tough injury for a running back to come back from. Boy, what are we left with? Alfred Blue again. And I know Alfred Blue actually outcarried Miller pretty severely down the stretch last year. But uh, I think by this point, we know what Alfred Blue is. Um, you know, Tyler Irvin, who was kind of exciting when he came into the league and then sort of quickly extinguished any excitements. Uh, yeah, I, so I guess I'm not too excited about uh, any of the backups. You know, if, if Lamar Miller tweak something i guess you have to have uh alfred blue on speed dial on waivers if you need running back help but excited would be the wrong word i think yeah i kind of miss the days of the early uh, best ball drafts where lamar miller was just going uh, you know like the late sixth early seventh sometimes he slipped into the eighth uh, and you know, those days are long gone. Uh, a lot of like, the secret about Dr. Foreman, which was actually written about on Rotoviz by Dr. Jeff Budoff back in February about, you know, the possibility that Foreman is not going to be 100% this year. Uh, there was, you know, that was something that I was eagerly taking advantage of way earlier. Now I'm completely out in his draft price. Uh, although I am a fan of Miller's, I just, like you said, the, the fact that he's now uh in the fourth round is just not something or that I'm looking to really pay up for because there's other guys I'd rather draft around him. I'm just glad I got him into my best ball for portfolio where I did. And um, I'd rather take a wide receiver in that range. Yeah, exactly. The, the price, um, you know, there was definitely like a malaise with Lamar Miller in those spring best balls. You know, he was not, uh, Sexy pick, but I think as as just the the rookie running back class has sort of um, you know lost its luster a little bit. Well, with the Geis injury and then the Sony Michelle and Rashad Penny, um, <laughs> you know the 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 poor trajectory for both of them so far in their NFL careers. That's uh, you know suddenly it's any port in a storm for running back twos. And, you know, Lamar Miller is a lot more attractive in drafts and it's it's definitely pushed him up. But, um, you know, in the fourth round, when there are still some, you know, really good wide receivers there, like I just can't take Lamar Miller over. um, Oh, man, what would be a I'm trying to think of a good example. Who's a a fourth round wide receiver? Robinson. Yeah, exactly. There's no way I'm taking Miller over Allen Robinson. So perfect, perfect example. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, I'm glad you mentioned Tyler Irvin. He's someone I really liked coming into the league. He obviously hasn't had a ton of opportunity, uh, you know, tore his patellar tendon last year in week four, I believe. But it sounds like you know, his recovery is going basically as well as anyone could have expected. Um, 
He had five targets in each of his first two games last season, uh, you know, with Foreman healthy. Uh, so I don't know. <laughs> He's someone who, you know, I would probably, I might think about targeting in late rounds of really deep best ball leagues, like an FFPC league. But um, does he interest either of you in 2018? Yeah, the... the as you said, Blair, I mean, the profile was definitely attractive. I think he was a lot of, um, you know, someone a lot of people were interested in his rookie year and, and someone who looked like he could possibly pop. And, yeah, I mean, it, like it would not, what would it take to pass Alfred Blue? You know, just a little mm-hmm. more versatility. And, uh, you know, we know Irvin can catch passes. He's definitely shiftier than Blue is. Um yeah, with, with so little there, I mean, just like, even though Miller has been pretty durable throughout his career, but, uh, you know, running back durability in the NFL is all pretty relative. And which is to say that, you know, these guys get hurt so often, there really is no such thing as running back durability, I feel like. So, um, yeah, I mean, he would be a, an interesting depth play in a big draft like that in an FFPC or in this this one I've got coming up where it's 16 teams in 24 rounds. Like he's going to get picked in that league, you know? Yeah. I mean, the thing with Irvin is even though he's, I guess, technically been in the league a couple of years, he's still pretty much an unknown. I mean, he's, you know, played just a handful of, you know, only four games last year, not even that, basically three. And I think he only has had double digit snaps in maybe three games in his career so far. So, um, I guess it's possible there's like some hidden upside is kind of what I'm thinking. I wonder if the Texans are going to be a team that uh, will add running backs once the cutdown occurs. Uh, You know, you guys have talked a little bit about their depth and just sort of it being kind of wanting. This might not be how they want the running back bench to look like when they're heading into the season here. Uh, Do either of you guys think that there's any potential, you know, free agents or guys who end up getting not making the 53 man who the, uh, the Texans could be likely to bring in, or are we just going to wait and see what happens? That wouldn't surprise me. Like if, uh, you know, now that the jets have signed West, we mentioned them earlier. I mean, I, I thought Trenton Cannon has looked kind of interesting and I, I've, he's sort of raised my eyebrows a little bit as a, um, you know, and I, I thought he was going to make the Jets with Elijah McGuire being out. I thought he might open the season as the number three, but now they've brought in Sharkandrick West. Maybe he doesn't make the roster and maybe he floats out there or, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are some other people like that who, uh, you know, are, are part of a slightly deeper running back stable. Um, you know, maybe it, it's possible. Could, could the Giants cut Jonathan Stewart now that he's, you know, behind pretty clearly behind Wayne Gallman, I think. Um, you know, I, I don't know what sort of hit they'd take if, you know, what the financial implications are. I don't have the, the Spotrack numbers uh, up in front of me. But, yeah, so it, it does seem like they are a candidate to possibly bring in someone else, um, just knowing that they're kind of, um, you know, playing dangerously with their uh, depth after Miller. Yeah, the the Chiefs have rostered uh, behind Hunt and where they've got Damian Williams, Kerwin Williams, and the uh, rookie Daryl Williams is completely showing out here in preseason. So I wonder if one of those three guys doesn't make the roster, and I wonder if they find their way over to Texas. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Too many. There's a uh, Williams limitation in the Kansas City backfield. <laughs> Someone's got to go. Samaje Pirine did not play in the Redskins' third preseason game. Pirine is still sidelined after injuring his ankle in the second preseason game, and he is playing behind Rob Kelly even when healthy. And that was before Adrian Peterson entered the picture. Uh, Pat, who do you expect will lead this team in carries? And are there any Washington running backs besides Chris Thompson that you would like to roster in 2018? Oh man, so I've I've got to uh, I've got to admit I'm I'm really stumped on what to make of Adrian peterson right now and um you know i had a friend text me a couple hours before uh talking to you guys tonight about whether he should pick up adrian peterson and it's a uh like a 10 team casual office league for him and uh you know i i said why not because for some reason he was carrying a second quarterback behind aaron Rodgers, and just said you don't need Dak Prescott on your team when you've got Aaron Rodgers in a 10-team league. So, sure, drop drop Dak and pick up Adrian Peterson and see what happens. But, like, if someone – if he had said, hey, should I drop Corey Clement to pick up Adrian Peterson, I'm not sure what I would have told him, you know. And I'm actually a Corey Clement fan. So um, I'm curious to know what you guys think because – Right now, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to bet that Adrian Peterson is going to be the leader in carries for them this year. Because I, I know a lot of people want to say he's totally cooked, and um, you know, I, within his brief reign for the Cardinals last year, he looked very good and very cooked within the span of a few weeks, and. Uh, you know, maybe part of that was that he was just not physically able to um, meet the demands of what the Cardinals were asking of him. And I was kind of surprised that the Cardinals just picked this guy up and, and ran him into the ground right away. And uh, it worked well at first, and then it didn't work so well. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen here. And, um, you know, I, I do know that he does seem a little bit more positioned for success this year than he was with the Cardinals. The the offensive line is a lot better with the Redskins. He's not going to have to be a workhorse because they've got Thompson to play on passing downs and as a change of pace guy. And, you know, they also have uh, fat Rob or fit Rob as it were. Mm-hmm. Here. So, um, you know, maybe this actually is a, a spot where as sort of the head of the committee, Peterson, could potentially thrive this year. I don't know. What do you guys think? Maybe you guys think he's cooked or, or maybe you guys are um, on board. I'm, I'm curious to get your take. Well, I'm definitely inclined to believe that he's cooked as you say, but uh, you know, at the same time, I thought P Ryan was a decent prospect coming out. Um, I didn't even think he was really all that bad last year. But Washington obviously did since they drafted Geis and now are bringing in Peterson after Geis is hurt. So, you know, they clearly don't believe in P. Ryan. Um, probably the guy I'm most interested in, and I guess it's just because it looks like he has the opportunity, is Kelly. Uh, but I don't know. Even that is a little bit <laughs> hard to say. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, 
I wouldn't put it past the Redskins to to give Peterson a lot of carries, even if he is cooked. Uh, so you may be you may be right. Yeah, I mean, volume is the name of the game at the running back slot, right? And so that's kind of what you want to buy when you're buying one of these guys. Uh, P. Ryan really didn't come on till both Chris Thompson and Rob Kelly went on IR. But to be fair to P. Ryan, before Rob Kelly went on IR, he was absolutely atrocious. Uh, you know, P. Ryan at least kind of showed out a little bit when he was given all the volume from week 11 on. Uh, you know, he finishes at running back one back-to-back weeks against the Saints and the Giants. And then he finished just outside the running back two territory in Dallas against, uh, you know, from weeks 13 to 16. It's just a matter of volume here. And if they're going to be splitting early down work, you know, or rotating guys in or just making this a supremely gross committee, like that's just nothing that I'm very, very, like that just doesn't sound appealing to me at all. And it sounds like these are guys who you could probably get off waivers and react in terms of injury news. Yeah, supremely gross is a pretty mm-hmm. good way to put it. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I think Thompson is, is if he's healthy, I mean, it's a little worrisome that he has been talking about maybe not being 100% until November. But if he is, if he is physically fit, I think we all kind of expect him to, you know, be the most valuable back in this stable from a fantasy perspective. But, you know he's also probably not going to be the guy who's taking handoffs and on, you know, first and goal at the two. So, um, you know, I, I guess right now it looks like Peterson is probably going to be that guy. I mean, I was, I was ready to get on board with, uh, with, with Kelly as that guy. And I actually took him in a slow draft, like two hours before the Redskins signed. Peterson. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so yeah, now, uh, I'm not as, enthusiastic about his prospects for a a nice comeback season but um yeah maybe i don't know there's a a lot to work itself out in that backfield i think i mean i guess the hope is that they would take all the carries they were going to give to guys and turn those into passing attempts to thompson and jordan reed and richardson and stuff but i don't think that'll happen (laughs) i I really can't get on board with Chris Thompson's price this season. He's going uh, currently in MFL 10s. He's going as the RB28, and that's ahead of Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle, Tariq Cohen, Carrion Johnson, Jamal Williams, Ronald Jones. I just like, I can't get behind this incredibly high pricing on, on Thompson this season, uh, especially for a guy who he balled out last year, but it's not like you can't find a similar profile later or in Tariq Cohen, in fact. Yeah, the odds of of uh, Thompson having that many splash plays again and having that sort of uh, you know per per carry or per carry per catch uh, efficiency and production is just you know pretty unlikely. So yeah, I, I can't see him as the top thirty running back. All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Pat Fitzmorris. Uh, Pat, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, I really don't. Anyone drafting last minute this coming weekend, I just did a series on guys I'm targeting and avoiding sort of the, uh, you know, not exactly going deep, not the stuff uh, you guys 
do a rotoviz, uh, just sort of a basic last minute draft primer, I guess, if uh, anyone's looking for that sort of thing. Um, can find that at thefootballgirl.com. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've got a new podcast, Fits on Fantasy. If anyone wants to find that, they can check it out on iTunes or SoundCloud. All right. Definitely be sure to check that out. Follow Pat on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.